All right. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to It's That Deep Podcast. I am your host, Tristan Ross. And here at It's That Deep Podcast, we have conversations about faith, mental health, grief, transition, all the things. This is a space. We just get to speak on it um, with a guest or you just get to hear from me by myself. But today I am excited. I am full with joy because I have such a special friend to me. Um, And once you guys listen to this podcast, you'll glean a lot from her. Um, A friend of mine, her name is Rebecca. Hello. (laughs) Oh my goodness, what an intro. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, welcome to It's That Deep. I'm so excited to have you on today. Mm. I don't know what we're going to get into, but we're going to get into a whole lot of conversation. But just wanting to start off with checking in. As you all Mm. know, we check in with our feelings here. So I do have my feelings wheel. Wow. It's very (laughs) it's very colorful. I appreciate (laughs) the the rainbow that Mm. we have here. It's just very appealing. Appeasing? No, appealing. (laughs) Appealing and appeasing to the eye. (laughs) It can be both. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start off with just having you check in on the feelings, Will, of where you're at today. Okay. Wow. Uh, Do I spin it and then that's what? No, I'm just kidding. You can spin it and do what you want. (laughs) Uh, Well, I just woke up for, I I didn't just wake up, but I have a new baby Mm -hmm. as um, for those listening well, she's not that new. She's about a year and almost a year. And so a lot of times I kind of take on her feelings to be my feelings, but mm-hmm. that's not true. She's not even here <laughs> with me right now. So it's a great question. What do I feel? I do feel safe right now. Mm. I do. I mean, thank you for bringing the podcast to my home. There's a level of safety in that, yeah. but also in your presence as mm. a friend. Um, let's see. I'm in the orange section of the wheel now. I'm just in awe of this wheel. Like, what a great resource. Um, let's see. Those are all kind of on the negative or, no, I shouldn't say negative, but on the grief side, I'm not there. Let's see. I'm in the blue section right now. You know what? I'm just going to go with safe because otherwise I'm going to be here a while. I can't tell you how many words are on here, guys, but it's a lot and it's very extensive. You need to post this for everybody. I I definitely I love the feelings will because it's sometimes it's really difficult for us to identify what we're feeling. And so I think this just helps with giving us word and language to a feeling that we might not be able to identify with our own words. So there's a a lot of descriptive feelings <laughs> there's a lot of descriptive feelings here um sure. which i love that i love that you feel safe yes giving language to how we feel is sometimes the hardest part like mm. even when i'm talking with my husband like how do you feel sometimes i have a hard time being just like what's another word for beyond sad and tired or mm. or it, see i even have a hard time thinking of another word sometimes mm-hmm. um yeah language is good it it helps us for yeah. sure it definitely does. I feel like that's a, it's a way for us to be able to express where we're at. And sometimes it's also okay to be able to say, I don't have any emotions to this. I'm mm. just here. 
I feel like I'm just here is also <laughs> a response. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love that. Uh, I'll go ahead and check in on my feelings today. Right now, I am feeling joyful mm-hmm. and grateful. Mm-hmm. That's just where I'm at in this moment. It's just joyful and grateful um, because I know that. One, I'm just grateful to be in your presence as a friend mm-hmm. and also just being able to just dive into conversations. I love our conversations. <laughs> and so to, <laughs> you guys get to get a glimpse into our conversation. Yeah, everything just has to be deep right away with us. So, oh boy, I can only imagine what's going to happen in a podcast called It's oh. That Deep. I'm so excited about you bring it out of people. So mm-hmm. I'm as as grateful as I am to be welcomed by you. I'm mm. just as grateful to be like, welcome, it's that deep podcast into my house. Mm. Let's go. Let's sit. This is where all the convos happen anyway in our living room all the time. So we've had a lot of my, really good conversations here. Might as well record it for the people <laughs> and see if they're ready. <laughs> we don't know if they're ready, but we'll go ahead and just dive in. So Rebecca who is Rebecca? Share with us. Who is Rebecca? Oh my gosh, already a deep question. <laughs> wow, it just fits the title so great. Um, who is Rebecca? Mm. Well, Rebecca's a, a lot of things, and it would that could be a whole podcast in of it herself. But for me, I, I have been asked that question a lot of times mm-hmm. in different ways. It's, and a big part of that has been, you know, what are you? A lot of times, mm. <laughs> people on the street, it does, I don't get it as much anymore, but a lot of times in my teenage years and into my, I'm saying young adult years, my 20s, we'll mm. leave it at that, <laughs> um, they'd be like, hey, what are you? Because they, they see me, a lot of times they're trying to figure out what language I speak or I like to say what kind of brown I am because I have this <laughs> um, ever-changing skin color depending on how bright it is outside and mm. whatnot. And so who I am, actually my ethnic identity played a lot in that when I was younger because other people would notice it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a woman. I am half Filipina, half white, um, Polish if we want to be specific. Okay. Uh, Polish and some German. It's a little fuzzy on that part, but that was a huge part of my identity because I'm actually an adopted uh, child. And Mm. so that was just something that I had to hold on to for a long time. Uh, But beyond that, you know, as I grew beyond just being Filipina and white and what other people noticed, Mm. what was important for me was my faith. So I'm a God girl Mm. um, in that. I love Jesus. Um, I am not unfamiliar with the church world by any means. Mm. Um, yeah, I love Jesus. And in a way of, I, I love him. I love his people. I am the type of girl who, if I'm on vacation, like I still want to go to a church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And not even out of like the tradition of it necessarily, but... I'm the one who doesn't like to miss the worship at the beginning because I just love worship. I'm like, I love God. Mm. I want to be in his presence in as many ways and avenues as possible. So love the Lord. I, when it comes to relationships, I am obviously a daughter, an adopted daughter. I also have an adopted brother too. Mm. So adoption is a big part of who I am. 
and I see that in my faith as well. I'm also a wife um, to a husband, mm. Mr. Curtis Johnson, mm. and we've been married for 11 years now. Wow. As of this August, yay. And this year we're about to celebrate uh, the one-year birthday of our very first child, mm. and she is, um, and Jesus is my world, Curtis is my world, but she is my world world right now, and that she mm. is my shadow, the one hanging off of me literally most mm. of the time. This is a sacred moment I'm sharing with you, Tristan, as mm. well as everybody listening. You're getting, oh, one of my only... Uh, alone times I, you know what when if i go back to the feelings wheel i feel this is going to sound bad but all the moms will know i feel a little free right mm. now like a little loose of the yeah <laughs> i can I, I can dance and there's not somebody hanging off of me or whatnot or <laughs> or running to me which is a beautiful feeling mm. uh so i'm grateful in that way but that's a lot of who i am relationally i think i'll just stick to that of yeah. uh, that's who I am to people and how I relate to others right now. It's mainly God, my family, um, and his people. And those that he kind of brings me in contact with as well for his glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I just love hearing you describe who you are. Because I think there's just so many, there are so many facets of who we are as a person. And so mm -hmm. one of the things that you shared as being is you're, you're an adopted daughter. Mm -hmm. And so what was that experience like for you growing up being adopted? Well, for me, I was adopted as a baby. Mm -hmm. And so there was no moment where I knew one parent before I knew the parents that mm -hmm. I grew up with. So that's a unique thing that it varies among mm -hmm. other adopted children. Uh, for me, as far as I can remember, I always knew that I was adopted. So it, in my mind, in the beginning, that was a cool thing. It was just mm -hmm. a part of my story. My parents did, I feel like, a really phenomenal job of making it a beautiful thing of like, did you know that you are adopted, that you are mm. a princess, that we chose you? And I think it also helped that my brother was adopted too. Mm. So it wasn't like I was the only one. And we're all different ethnicities as well, which is super fun. So my mom's <laughs> Native American and white. My dad is all types of European. My brother is from Calcutta, India, and his skin is really dark. Then you have me, who's more of like an olive tone mm. in the middle. And so it was already normal for me that we looked different from the average family. So growing up, it was just kind of like, it's just part of my story. It wasn't anything big or different until I started going to school and whatnot, mm. where people would stop us in grocery stores and be like, are you all together? <laughs> Those sorts of things, which understandably so to a degree. Uh, but it was more other people's perceptions that started to infiltrate and influence of like, huh, this isn't everybody else's normal. Mm -hmm. um, one major thing, a little thing that became what I realized a big thing over time was the fact that I didn't have a family member that looked like me. Mm. I would start seeing that uh, I would have friends who I'm like, wow, you look like your mom. You look like your dad. Mm -hmm. And people would even see me next to my mom and be like, oh, you must look more like your dad. 
um, if they didn't know I was adopted, they would yeah. be wondering who the other parent was. And I remember being really little, being like, I wonder if one day I'll run into my birth mom in the store mm. and be like, oh, you look like me. And mm. this is clearly her, like this childhood fantasy of it. And this could be a long story, but I eventually did meet both of my wow. birth parents. And I look a lot like my dad, I would say, and a little bit like my mom. And there was no fantasy moment where I, where I would have ever thought that they were my parents in the grocery store by any mm. means. But I did have a really cool moment recently about a little about a year ago now when I saw my baby on the ultrasound. There was something within me that for whatever ingrained reason, I believe, that I always assumed she would look like my husband. But I never thought she would look like me. Mm. And so I was just in such shock and awe when they pulled up the ultrasound. I'm like those are my lips. Mm. <laughs> those are my cheeks. And they're like, whose lips are these? I'm like, those are mine. I was mm. like, she looks like me. What? I was like, oh, wow. Here is what it means in a way of God creating us in our own image, in his own image, um, in such a cool way. I'm like, I feel like that piece of scripture comes alive to me in a very literal way of like, wow. You look like me. And it's just been a beautiful thing to see, especially as she's come out. I'm like, oh, dang, you really look like me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, that went off on a little bit of a tangent. But being adopted has, you know, it's my norm. But I realize throughout time as I interact with others, I'm like, oh, this isn't the norm mm. by any means. But it's a really beautiful picture of how God, even though there are times we do not look like him <laughs> mm. in the things that we choose to do or in the ways that we have been raised or whatnot, however we've been formed and shaped by our experiences, the fact that he says, hey, I choose you. And the, the Bible says that he brings us into adoption of we are his sons, we are his daughters, and then we get to look like him in that process and we get all the benefits and privileges of adoption uh, without and it becomes our norm <laughs> without ever having to do anything other than just receive the name receive uh, the authority that he gives us as sons and daughters and so it's a really cool lens to be able to look at life and to be grateful in that way hmm. Whew. There was a lot that you shared there that was just so good. And I loved hearing just even about how you tied your experience also to our relationship with God. And just the idea of looking at your daughter and seeing the sense of your you spent from what you're sharing, you spent majority of your life to about well, teen years figuring out like, hey, who who does my mom and dad look like? Right. And then to look at to see the the circle, right? Where you're looking at that ultrasound of your daughter and you see yourself, mm -hmm. which is something that you growing up to looking at others of like, okay, well, I want to see who looks like me mm -hmm. and God literally creating mm -hmm. your daughter and having you look at her and see, I look just like her. She looks just like me. Mm -hmm. And to be able to also just experience the love there. I, yeah. that was just so touching to me to just even <laughs> hear that and tying it into like 
us being adopted into the family of God and being able to realize that we are made in his image. Right. And yeah. what does that what does that look like? Mm-hmm. How do we walk this out? How do we how do we walk out being in God's image? And which is a question that I I, I, I do want to ask of like how do you how do you walk in the image of God? <laughs> what does that look like? Ooh, well, if you are living and breathing, you are in the image of God. Mm. So that's a really cool promise that we have that each person that you see as you walk on the street, it really makes you honor other people. It's like you, mm-hmm. you were made in the Lord's image. You were made in the Lord's image, no matter what you look like and no matter what you act like. And really the, the interesting thing about adoption with Christ is it's really bringing us back into who, who our father really is. Mm. Um, for whatever reason, which would be sin, if we get into the theology of it, that separates us Mm -hmm. uh, from what a real relationship, a good relationship with the Father looks like. Um, And then when we make a decision for Christ, for those of us who who are the other God girls and guys Mm -hmm. out there, we, it allows us to take ownership of what our true relationship with the Father is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. We're adopted back into what that relationship is meant to be reconciled and healed. And out of that, in in gratefulness, as you mentioned from our feelings wheel, we get to be grateful. We get to take on that piece of the identity and live out what it means to love God Mm. and to love others. And I think the way that we do that at the top of my head you know, I'm going to be a little bit churchy, but it's just the way that it works is the fruit of the spirit as far mm. as um, love, joy, peace, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, all of that. I don't think I got them in order. I actually have a song for it from when I was younger, but I was slightly trying to sing it in my head and talk at the same time. But I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sing it on this podcast. I, just, I, want, I don't mind embarrassing myself. I'll, I'll embarrass myself. It's fine. Let's see. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the marks. All right, I'm just going to keep going so that way I don't laugh and embarrass myself more. But when people walk in that way, mm. and when I walk in that way, I imagine that's what the image of the Father is mm. it's not a physical thing it shows up in our physical demeanors in the way that we act but these are the marks of it and so yeah and it's the privilege to be able to walk in those things no matter how i feel on the feelings wheel mm-hmm. in all honesty uh god gives us permission to walk under these things that he set for us yeah I just love that. And thank you so much for singing it. Because I also, in my <laughs> you head, the song? I was like, I was singing, I was singing in my head. I was like, how did I remember? I was just like, I remember, I remember learning, um, for the fruits of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control for such there is no ah. love. I was like, oh, <laughs> thank God for VBS. Yes. Shout out to all the VBS songs. Amen. <laughs> to listen to and just allows us the opportunity even in times where we forget mm-hmm. i love songs like those because mm-hmm. it just that's the it's the realness of like being a god girl being a church girl like you 
learn these songs so that in times when we really need it, it's mm-hmm. so great that it comes to memory and helps us remember. No, <laughs> for real. Here's a here's a free one for you. <laughs> Made up by me, so y'all don't take my royalties on this from this deep <laughs> podcast. Tristan's the only one that gets royalties. But actually being made in God's image and Mm. then discipling my own daughter is just such a trip. I feel like the the pressure (laughs) Mm. is on. It's like I've been instilled with so much. I live so gratefully because my parents actually became Christians um, when I was fairly young. And Mm. so they were just like learning how to do this God thing and I got all the benefits. But now me, I'm like, shoot, they, they instilled things into me. I've gotten a certain amount of education, had so much time in ministry. Now we're just in motherhood. I shouldn't say just in motherhood. We are mm-hmm. in motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I feel like all that has led to this point. And so my daughter, like even when she does, uh, she doesn't do it anymore because she's walking now. <laughs> but she would do tummy time and she would be trying to do really hard things to push herself up. And I just felt this compulsion to be like, I need to encourage you as God would encourage you. I have to go Mm. to what the word says. And I made up this song. Mm. And now when I'm at the gym, it convicts me. When I do a plank of I have to speak and sing this to myself kind of quietly under my breath. Um, Maybe one day I'll sing it for my trainer. But you guys get to be the first to hear it. Uh, When she's doing her tummy time or doing something hard, I say, you can do hard things. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I hear like little kids like shouting mm. this. Um, next part goes, when I fall, I do not fail. I am the head and not the tail. So get up. He fills your cup. When the day is long, you can rest. When you're tired, still do your best. When you're weak, You are strong. Mm. This is your strong song. Boom, boom. That's what I imagine in my my brain. And yes, being a part of being in the image of God Mm. means I get to be a kid too. Yeah. I get to have that joy as you also mentioned on the wheel because that's the part of it. Love, joy, peace. And I get to take in his word not as a serious thing but Mm. as just a life-transforming thing. And then through song is one of those ways. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I I think it's so beautiful and I can even just speak to when I spend time with you and you're with Victory and it's just so beautiful to see how you it just exudes from who you are. Like you love God and your daughter gets a front row seat to experience what worship is because you have introduced her to that. And I just love when I get to get to be in the room with you as you show her what it is to love God and be silly. And sometimes mm-hmm. songs <laughs> are helpful to, mm-hmm. to just bring that out of us too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an important part that we forget that it's also okay to play. Yeah, because God is not. Oh my a, goodness, God. <laughs> yes. Though he has serious parts, like I feel like God yes. is a serious God, but yeah. at the same time, yeah. it has to take a level of creativity, yeah. trial, like for Him to create right. heaven and earth. I'm, I imagine, like the beginning, like He's just out there just painting and having right. fun, yes. exper- experimenting yeah. with different things. Like, oh, this blue looks nice. Let me paint that up. <laughs> okay, we'll keep that. 
right? Or just even yes. how, cre- just the, how we get the diversity we get to experience mm, right. when we walk, when we walk outside, we see people from different walks of life, mm-hmm. different shades, um, mm. and different abilities. And mm. it's, I think when we look at who, who scripture describes God to be, mm. I imagine him as a playful God. Yeah. His I imagine, images. right. I, ima- I imagine him to be someone who doesn't take life so seriously all the time. And yeah. so I love when we have moments of like worship and worship can look like right. anything, yeah. but it's really like the posture of our heart when we are in worship. Mm. And so to see that with you and how you share about just little moments like that, teaching her that, you know, she reminding her she's made in the image of God and where her strength comes from Mm -hmm. that even in the moments where it's really hard Mm -hmm. and reminding like we can do hard things. Mm -hmm. I just love that. I was like, that is that in itself can preach by itself (laughs) um, because it is just Mm -hmm. so good. I, I, I love that uh, so much. And so you've touched a lot about motherhood. Ooh, it's, 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 it's the hood that I live in the most. (laughs) So talk to us, tell us about your, um, your journey to motherhood. Journey to motherhood sucked. Um, Mm. that was the first word that came to mind. Oh man, it just sucked. Um, it, it was a refining season. Mm. It, it sucked in its moments. Is definitely refining. It I I took for granted in a way towards the beginning of marriage of how hard it can be for people to get pregnant. Mm. As I mentioned before, my husband and I have been married for eleven years, and so we didn't have our baby until ten years in. Mm. Beautiful thing is I had ten years of really great friendship with my husband, mm. great romantic love with my husband it's all still there (laughs) but the time (laughs) is now shared with our little human being Mm -hmm. um so the journey to get there was rough uh struggled with infertility for a long time for reasons that we're not fully even sure of in all honesty Mm. and that was a lot of the hard part about it uh for me in talking about mental health with your podcast it was definitely rough on my mental health and I didn't fully realize it Mm. um it was other reasons I ended up in a therapist's office Mm. and she was like you know whenever you talk about you know your road to motherhood you you begin to cry you get a lump in your throat she's like you realize that you're having a trauma response right and in my mind I was like huh well, I haven't had anything directly traumatic to me, but of course I had because I've been struggling with infertility. But in my mind, trauma had to be something catastrophic, like a car mm. crash, not something that you deal with piece by piece, little by little every day. And I ended up having some traumatic experiences with doctors that my therapist helped me identify of within the road to motherhood to find out what was going on with my body, I had a hard time like doing some of the testing for mm. different um, things for infertility. One test was so painful. And I remember just laying out on this table, trying to undergo this like very mini procedure test, we'll just call it. And I remember feeling so good going into that appointment 
particularly because the doctor who is there, she was a woman of color, and the, just the fact that she was a woman, because there mm. aren't always female doctors to do certain procedures. I was like, okay, this is gonna be great. And then my whole body just starts shaking, and I'm in pain, I'm having a hard time, I start crying, and I can't even tell you why. And I, she was like, I need you to stop shaking. And I said, I, I'm sorry, I just can't. I'm actually trying, and mm. it's completely involuntary. And she's like, do you want bambinos? Do you want little babies? I'm going to need you to do this procedure, mm. and I know you want to be a mommy. And then she eventually kind of gives up in a very what I would say a dismissive attitude is what I was perceiving. Mm. And she's like, you know, if you can't do this, I don't know what else I can do for you. And she walks away. That's the note she leaves it on. And so I go home feeling as laying on this couch, just feeling so defeated. And Mm. like for weeks, I would just be weeping over feeling like I couldn't do anything that if my body couldn't go through this procedure the words that she spoke over me really took root as far as man if I can't even do this procedure how can I even have a child Mm -hmm. would I even be able to go through the process of labor and all of that and I it seems like I can't even get there so in sharing that with my therapist she was like you know she was wrong Mm -hmm. right She's like, I need you to hear that, and that that was completely inappropriate. It was completely insensitive to your body and to your state. She's like, I need you to realize that that was a traumatic experience. Mm. And I think at the time, I was just very new to therapy, and I was like, oh, traumatic experiences, like I said, they needed to be like car crashes, life or death experiences. Mm. I'm like oh, my body was responding in ways that, you know, reflected the stress on my heart, my mind. It was, it was traumatic. And so I had to do a lot of, you know, taking that into a therapist's office and recognizing, okay, I need to lay this on the table before Jesus, because that was huge for me, of like, mm-hmm. I, I can pray about it, but one of the things my therapist said to me early on, she said, what are your coping mechanisms besides prayer? Mm. And I was just such a church girl at that point. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> I'm like, are what you, are you s- talking about? <laughs> I'm like, prayer is it. Like, uh. me and Jesus, you know, we'll pray and worship it up anywhere, everywhere. Like, besides prayer, I, I was like, I, I really didn't comprehend the question in a way. I'm like, um, isn't that like the ultimate way? And she, she's a, she's a Christian as well. Mm-hmm. But I ultimately realized that journaling was one of them. Mm-hmm. But she was just trying to bring me to a space of being very gentle and kind with my body and emotions yeah. and not just pushing through them. That was kind of why I ended up in therapy in the first place. Didn't realize it. Mm. Um, or as far as going outside to take a walk, to gently move your body, to be doing things that you enjoy, to play, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as we've talked about, of like all of these experiences that we're carrying in our hearts and minds and our bodies. Yes, they're supposed to go before Jesus in prayer, um, but they're supposed to be let out. (laughs) And part of living out the joy of the Lord that he promises is doing things like play 
and that's so healing for everything else that you're going through as well um yeah I think my brain train lost the train of thought but it was a good place to stop um the journey to motherhood that's where we were it was hard um but actually you know through therapy and whatnot being in her office you know we eventually did get pregnant and it came Mm. through a lot of um making sure I chose doctors that were really good for me, learning to be able to speak up for myself and my body and put language to Mm. what I was feeling, as you mentioned before, and being very clear with my doctors of how I was feeling and saying, you know what, I'm actually anxious because Mm. I had traumatic experiences with doctors before. And I found a doctor who was just extremely kind and did not judge me when she was doing very basic exams, but Mm. she would recognize the responses in my body and be able to respond in kind and gently. And gentleness is just one of my big words nowadays Mm. when it comes to my body and whatnot of I need people that respond in that way. And I think a lot of women do, in particular with everything that we carry. Of it's not always about pushing and going harder and going stronger. I'm like, we just need some gentleness. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and actually it was really in slowing down that I think my body really responded mm. to the love and care it was getting in every way. And w- we ended up pregnant mm. about a little over a year ago. Mm. And I remember in have in going into that pregnancy being like, wow, I feel safe to go back to our wheel again. I feel safe in my body Mm -hmm. and I feel safe and trusting what my coping mechanisms are going to be going into pregnancy and into motherhood. So God's timing is just so beautiful Mm -hmm. in that way. He uses all of the seasons, all the things we go through to prepare us for what he has for us. That was so good. I think just also just connecting. There are a few things that you said that really stood out to me. One, I, the moment you shared about your experience at the doctor's office and the response, um, the lack of empathy and Mm, gentleness and you sharing this very vulnerable journey with with a physician rather than responding with love, but respond, they responded with judgment. And that really just broke my heart as I heard that because it's, it's a space we're going into in a very vulnerable state. Yeah. And we want to be met with gentleness, kindness, and embrace, not judgment. Um, and I love that your therapist really pointed out the fact that trauma Trauma mm-hmm. responses, I think oftentimes people view trauma just like you, you're not the first one I've heard state that of like, when I think of trauma, I think of something happening to me, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, physical, um, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, or even sexual abuse or um, observing violence that occurred. Mm-hmm. But we forget too that we can experience trauma in the most subtle way that we don't even think about, mm-hmm. such as like our body. And so as you shared about your your journey um, to motherhood, it gives me hope. Mm. The like highlights, because that's a journey that I'm on to of mm. really yeah. being able to, and I'm thankful for friends like you, who I, I got to see God's faithfulness. Mm. And it has allowed me to be able to hold on to his faithfulness yeah. and remember Amen. that he's a promise keeper 
And when he makes a promise, he sees it through fruition. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear, you know, when I hear stories like yours and just even hear how God walked through this with you, but your therapist also pointed out uh, when you stated like prayer, like prayer is all I need. Yes. Prayer (laughs) is great. And I heard the great Mm. Dr. Anita Phillips say this, and it is just stuck with me and keeps me every time I think when people say that prayer is all I need. And she stated, prayer is our weapon. Mm -hmm. Therapy is a strategy. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. Mm -hmm. Prayer is our weapon. Hmm. But therapy is strategy. Yeah. I don't think that God would give us this weapon and not give us strategy. Right, right. That's really good because there's all kinds of strategies that kind of come within mental health, Mm -hmm. within your therapist's office, within going outside to play. That's strategy too. (laughs) Whoo! Yeah. Because those of you that are parents know that we have to have our strategies that get us through the day. Listen. And in prayer, we get those strategies too. Like if you're just going to pray just to pray and just, because I think especially for those of us who have been in the church where God girls, God guys all the time, we're like, yes, prayer. Should about a Hyundai? Is it about a, all right, I should be fine now. But I'm like, but did you actually download any strategies from that? Mm. Did you actually get how we respond to the rest of wow. our day. Like, did the Holy Spirit have room to work or we just kind of shoot and went up to the sky and and then just going back to our ish, mm. basically. So, I think yeah. it's also just, you, you made a great point too of like, when we go to prayer, like Holy Spirit will give us strategy. Right. Too, because mm-hmm. we don't just, and we can look through the Bible, we can look through scripture, when they are going into battle, mm-hmm. there was always a strategy. And when mm-hmm. they did not have a strategy, we see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to be able to, to look at seeking God in a space of us being vulnerable and surrendering to him, mm-hmm. he's able to allow, he's able to one, give a strategy. And sometimes strategy also is an outsource. Like he gives us resources that yeah. we can be able to go to, to get support such as therapy, such as, right, if you want to go buy a car, you, you're you not a salesperson. So when you're trying to buy a car, you have to go, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to go to, to, um, to, mm-hmm. to, what's the place? I can't even think right now. Why did my brain just go blank? Anyways, it's fine. Dealership? That's the word. Look yeah. at this. Here we are. Um, you have yep. to go to the deal. <laughs> I was like, you have to go to the dealership mm-hmm. to be able to get the car. Mm-hmm. And they give you strategy there too as well. And so it's just being able to understand that what you said is like, we have to, we can pray, but there's always strategy that we need to actually yeah. And a lot do of times the, the strategy is pretty simple. Look. It's pretty simple. And we try to do the most out of it. <laughs> yeah. You were preaching to the choir. God's like, just walk around the wall. I mean, it might be tiring because they had to do it for a long time. <laughs> But it's usually pretty simple, and he does the rest. Mm-hmm. And praise the Lord that we're in the day and age where the strategy might just be to go sit in a therapist's office and whatnot. I'm like, that's the comfy way. At least you're not making me, you know, walk around however many miles Jericho was seven times a day, you know. 
Well, maybe that was part of the exercise thing. He needed them to move their bodies. Wow. To even think about that. <laughs> Listen, you, I was like, we will have to have our husbands uh, on here for us to even yeah. go. On. When we start getting into the what they call black market theology, <laughs> you guys can hear more about that later. <laughs> black but, market theology yeah. gives oh, it's, <laughs> We'll leave that there. We'll have to come and visit yeah, that's that a, later. That's a teaser for their, their podcast. For their podcast. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I love that. It's like some, it's easy. God will give us a strategy that could be so easy, but we make it so hard. Yeah, we do. We make it hard and complicated. Yeah. We're the ones that for lack of a better word, complain, or we're listening to the trauma response in our bodies being like, Ooh, I don't know if I can do that. Mm. But it's usually a very simple step. It's a walk here, a rest here. Mm. A lot of times it's rest. Rest is a huge thing um, in any situation. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's just rest here, and rest is just another short word for trust. Mm. Yeah. Can you, like, unpack that for us? Sure. Uh, whenever, so you would ask me about boundaries a bit ago, and rest is a huge thing that I protect, even in motherhood. Mm. Uh, beyond ministry life, I'm like, nope, I need just as much, if not 20 million times more rest than what I needed before mm-hmm. being in ministry. Um, and she is the ministry right now. Yeah, that's good. Rest is just the ability to stop working, to stop toiling, to stop being productive, to stop being anxious, because that's where I lean towards. Um to stop strategizing even mm. <laughs> doing my own strategies rest is a part of the god strategy to to love us to mm. preserve us um, to restore us it's the basic rhythm he set in place of six days of work and a day of rest now mm. in modern terms you know i'm not going to be super legalistic about that but i have to recognize my body's cues I'm made in the image of God, mm. and even he rested. So me as image bearer, made in his image, I have to understand that that's a part of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that he rested. And for me, rest is trust because when I rest, it's really trusting that there's nothing else I could do today that would make it good. Mm. There's nothing else that I could do to make this situation better. I just have to trust God in this. Mm. Resting is to really rest in him and to put my trust in, you know what? If I don't strategize about this today, he's got me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I don't work at this today, it's still going to succeed because he's put the plan into my hands. He's put the dream into my hands when thinking about are the things that he's asked us to do, yeah. whether it's to write a book, whether it's to start a ministry or a business or a podcast, or just to be a stay-at-home mom. And I, w- I want to take away the just out of my statement because, whoo, that is not an easy job. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it is to be whatever your fill-in-the-blank is, rest has to be a part of that as an image bearer, as somebody who's just a human being and breathing. And that's really trusting that God's got it when, I'm, when I've stopped, mm. <laughs> when I've taken a moment to breathe. 
thank you so much for expanding on that because I think often because of culture, right? We're in this like grind culture. Everyone is everyone is doing something. You have to be mm-hmm. really productive <laughs> all the time. You got to produce. Mm-hmm. You got to produce. You got to produce. Um, I think we forget, yeah, the importance of rest mm-hmm. because our body. And when we don't rest, what I've learned is that when we don't rest or when we are not intentional about setting time to rest, mm-hmm. our body. Just like we talked about earlier about trauma responses, uh, our body will cause us to rest. Mm-hmm. Our responds. body will put us into rest. It's a response. Yeah. Um, it, we all, I know, oftentimes just touch base on that of like trauma responses. We have the fight, yeah. flight, freeze, fawning, which no one really talks about, Ooh. also as well. But when our when we're not taking the time to care about ourselves, to mm-hmm. care about this body that we, again, we said earlier, like we are image bearers. Mm-hmm. And if God himself rested mm-hmm. after creating the heavens and the earth, right. he rested. <laughs> why do we not make that a priority? Right. The thought that I just had, and you, you said it too, mm-hmm. is why are we creating trauma on our own bodies? If our bodies are crying out, like we're moving out of, I, I'm, I know what it's like to run on adrenaline. We're causing like literal trauma to our own bodies because that's how I ended up in a therapist's office was panic attacks. And I had two of those and my heart was fine, but didn't feel like it was fine. I was causing trauma to my own body. And so as you're, as you're sharing with us about that, we could, we're literally causing trauma to our body by not resting and not paying attention to it. And you said that that's how you ended up in a therapist's yeah, office. Yeah. I was, am a God girl. And I remember starting a new position like on staff in ministry. And it was a major shift in my life mm. and wanted to do really well was having um, an interesting time making the transition mm. during a pandemic too. And I thought that I was fine. Mm. I, I thought I was good. I'm trying to work at deadlines and, you know, just getting everything set up in this really amazing role. And I'm just all of a sudden sitting on the couch. I was eating ice cream, mm. watching Netflix. So I, I, in my mind, I was <laughs> resting, mm-hmm. you know, and just having myself a good old time. And then my body starts responding like, I think I'm going to have a heart attack. Mm. and Curtis is like thinking, do I need to take you to the hospital or whatnot? Mm. And in my mind, I'm like, I, I don't think so. But it, it felt like he, I was also scared because mm. <laughs> I just didn't want to go <laughs> to see another doctor. And I'm like, I, wow. I, I really didn't like the doctor's office. I know it's that deep. It's mm. that deep of like, nope, I, I wasn't even comfortable with that idea. That was probably causing more trauma, the idea yeah. of seeing another doctor. And then it happened while I was on vacation with family. Mm. And I was like, okay, we can't have another one of these uh, where I wonder if I'm going to just die laying down. Mm. And it and it was that deep. I know I said that very casually, but I everything seemed okay with health. So I'm like, this seems like a panic attack. We need to find a therapist. And in my mind, we just need to nip this in the bud and get together so I can keep going mm. <laughs> and push and do what I'm what I need to do. And she started asking me these questions about anxiety, 
And I answered yes to every single one of those questions. Wow. Of, Do you have this or this? Do you always, are you always thinking ahead and about all the options and whatnot? I can't remember all the questions. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, I remember saying yes to all the questions and being like, but what's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm like, goodness. wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought anxiousness. I'm like, I was just so naive in a way. I'm like, I've been in church all my life and... Um, I refer people to counseling, and that was my first time, like, in the counselor's mm. office. Oh, Ooh. it was so bad. It was so bad. Uh, where I'm like, wait a minute. I'm saying yes to all these things, but these are all the things that I thought made me really good at what I do. Mm. Of, I'm super efficient. I can be detail-oriented. I, I can do all the things. I can do hard things. But I'm running off of anxiety. Mm. <laughs> it's really what it is. Um, and I'm like, shoot, shoot. And the, the humbling and where it's like asking the Lord for forgiveness in some wow. ways for this is, I, I believe the things that we take on, you know, they get reflected into our families, into mm. our, to my relationship with my husband at that time. But also as a leader, I'm like, shoot, I've been leading out of this space and other people are following me. Ooh. That's a really humbling, really hard pill to swallow mm. to know that, shoot, if this is the way I'm functioning, how am I discipling others in this way? Wow. And I'm the type of person, this is just kind of my personality and we can do another podcast another day about this, but... <laughs> But the way that I am is I will always think about others before myself and a lot of things mm. where I might not want to get something fixed for me, but I'm like, shoot, I'm discipling others in a spirit of anxiety. That's not okay. Mm. It's not okay for me either, but I was thinking about my leaders and, you know, as people in ministry, we have a responsibility to how we're discipling them. And they're not going to remember all the words that they teach them or the procedures or the strategies, but they will remember how I was mm. in attitude, heart, and all the fruits of the spirit. And anxiety mm. isn't one of the fruits of the spirit. Mm. Efficiency isn't one of the fruits of the spirit. Mm. All of those things that I might have valued, detail-oriented is not one of the fruits of the spirit. Mm. But wow, I say, I, I do not, I, I need to be able to stay alive for one thing that's true mm -hmm. or not feel like I'm going to have a panic attack, but I don't want anybody else discipled in this way either. And mm. I don't want my husband to be worried I'm going to have a panic attack or him to be loved out of anxiety either. Mm. So yeah, we had to get that under control. And so that was the initial reason I ended up in therapy and with learning some better coping skills or mm. more expanded coping skills from yeah. just prayer, um, it really forced me to put into things that I, I did know, yeah, that I knew that I needed, that I, I knew that I needed rest, but it gave me the tools and language to be able to really live that out more fully. And I really only had those couple panic attacks. I was, it was it. I'm like, no, we're not doing this. We're good. We're done with this. We're going to go figure this out. Yeah. And then the other benefit of it, which I think was weighing really heavily on me, which we already talked about, mm -hmm. was the part about the journey to motherhood and how much anxiety that was bringing to me mm. because it was a huge part of who I was, who my relationship with my husband was. 
And so as I became more vulnerable in therapy about that, that allowed me to be more vulnerable about that part of my journey with others, Mm. with the people that I was discipling, where I could share it and eventually not just be in tears, but let it just be a part of my journey. And you're one of those people Mm. (laughs) of you got a front row seat to some of that. And you got to, you got the really beautiful thing as my friend in that time and season in ministry as well of seeing that come to fruition. And yeah. I take great uh, joy in the fact that it happened in a place where my heart, my body, my mind, my, mm. my very spirit was in a much more restful place mm. because of taking care of mental health mm. and whatnot. I. As you shared about panic, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to go back a little bit there mm-hmm. of when you described what you, what your experience of a, having a panic attack looked like. Can you give us a little bit of a description of what you were experiencing in your body at sure. that time? Yeah, I was I was right here in this spot on the couch, and body just started shaking, mm. just uncontrollably. It was just so, so strange within my mind of I wanted it to stop and was doing my best to relax and just really couldn't. Mm. Um, My heart was beating out of my chest very erratically Mm. where in my mind I was doing my own evaluation of am I having a heart attack and feeling like I couldn't get up and that was another part of it Mm. too. Uh, tingles and so it really did mimic a heart attack Mm -hmm. at the time thankfully I had a friend who was here Uh, she was sitting with me on the couch and so she was kind of coaching me Mm. Uh, she just had the greatest calm and spirit and she's another god girl as well she's like I need you to breathe Mm. that's the only thing you need to focus on breathing in your nose and out your mouth and so that was all that I could do it felt in that moment and yes basically heart attack symptoms tingles and not being able to move my body to an extent until it fully calmed down I appreciate hearing that description because oftentimes we're not noticing what's happening in our body and to fully focus on those experiences especially when it comes to anxiety and the reality is anxiety looks different for for everyone, mm-hmm. it doesn't look the same. But being able to acknowledge that of like, okay, this isn't this isn't a normal feeling. Like I feel like I'm a lot of times I feel like my heart is just palpitating out of <laughs> just out of rhythm, mm-hmm. and it's scary. Yeah, it is a scary feeling to sit in the space and re- and feel like you have lost control of your body. Yes, and that's mm-hmm. what happens when we're experiencing anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so to go into the therapist's office like. What was your first, when you sat at the, on the therapist's couch, <sighs> what was your first experience going in and realizing, I couldn't do this all by myself. I'm coming into the space and sharing with a clinician what you were experiencing. You know, I just felt really dumb at the time, mm. in all honesty. I'm, I really went in with the thought of, I need somebody to fix this. (laughs) Uh, Not necessarily her, but really having no idea how to fix it. Mm. I think because I was like, look, we, we pray, 
we we might not have the best diet all the time, mm -hmm. but we we live a fairly in my mind. Mm -hmm. I lived a very fairly balanced life <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and so I'm like, what is this about? And yeah, just with her asking the questions, I was just like. I don't know what to do about this. I, for me, it wasn't a scary thing to mm -hmm. share with her in all honesty, because for me, I actually knew the value of it as well. Mm -hmm. And even when I was sitting there, I was like, shoot, I should have been in here a while ago if we're at the panic attack level. Mm -hmm. And she even asked me, she's like, you know, what, what do you do for work and whatnot? And I was in vocational ministry at the time. And she's like, oh, and how long have you been in ministry? And I was like, Oh, well, a long time. Uh, mm. <laughs> even before this position I was in, you know, we've been running hard for Jesus within the church setting or nonprofit missions setting for a long time. Mm. Been in seminary and all that. And so I knew the benefit of counseling and I've been told it. I can't say I'd seen it modeled very much, though. Mm. And I think because I, I don't want to put any blame on anybody, but... A lot of us who are in, I'm going to speak to all my urban ministry folks because that was my experience yeah. for over 10 years. We're just running and doing and counseling might feel like a luxury for the people in the big churches that have way more paid staff. Mm. And we think that, you know what, we just, for so, this is just something that I think I felt subconsciously. Mm. Um, and I'm just going to put it out there and submit to my other urban ministry folks. Maybe not just urban, but mm -hmm. this this is what it is. My experience was I think that I felt that it was for people who had the luxury of going. And those of us who are dealing with a lot of hard cases where you're responding to kids at 2 o'clock in the morning getting picked up from foster care system and whatnot, we're the ones that do need it. Mm-hmm. We need that counseling so much. We're pouring out so much. And I'm like, why is this the first time that I'm here? And mm. even my therapist, she was like, you're telling me you've never been to therapy before? She almost looked at me very <laughs> gently of like, you know better. <laughs> like, how is this the first time you were in this office? So mm. I felt a little dumb in a way because I hadn't been to therapy before, but also I recognized, shoot. I haven't been to therapy before. Mm. I should have been here a while ago. I would have been a much more rested person. But the Lord has grace. <laughs> yeah, he, he does. He does. And even just in, in something I wanted to highlight is you said this earlier of you disciple other people. You encourage them to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. What did you... What Not what, but why was that hard for you as a leader to also walk that out as you tell as you tell other people go to therapy you need this because you see behavior you see the symptomology mm -hmm. like we're able to experience people's behavior and point out like you need more support than i can give mm -hmm. you need to go get this but yeah. what was why was it hard as a leader in in your experience before you actually went into therapy why was that hard for for you to be able to go in in all honesty, because I don't think I value myself very mm. well, right? It, it <laughs> that's that's the the deep the root root part of a lot of the way that I'm wired is 
and this isn't to make myself sound good, it's just the, the truth of what it is, that other people have more value mm. and worth than I do. Of I love you so much, please go to therapy. I know it's gonna be great for you. And I'll do that for Tristan, I'll do that for DeMarcus, I'll do that for Susie on the street or whatnot. I will find you the referrals. Mm. And then when it comes to myself, I, it's just, it, the value isn't as there as much mm. for whatever reason. For time, time is the excuse that I'll, I'll make. Mm -hmm. um, a piece of how I'm wired is, so my brother who's adopted, he has special needs. Mm -hmm. A lot of the way our family functions, and it's a beautiful thing, so this is not to dishonor them or blame them, um, is we love others first. Of We defer to those who have greater needs than we do, mm. but sometimes it's to the detriment of our own health. Wow. And not seeing our own bodies and minds as having value. Even in motherhood, one of the hardest things for me to do is take time for myself. Mm. Like, I will make sure that my child is well taken care of, fed, etc. before I eat, before mm. I brush my teeth and whatnot. And that's a pattern that I've had throughout my whole life. And even throughout ministry. And it's, it's a detriment to both those that I serve and lead and ultimately to myself that I, I will take care of you before I take care of myself. And I'm very thankful for, I'm gonna give a shout out to Marissa Oriero mm. <laughs> from serving with her in ministry. When I was pregnant, she would yell at me, Tristan. <laughs> That she would yell yeah. at me. You need, you need you need people who aren't gentle with you sometimes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's fully. Yeah, it's biblical. I'll, we're going to run with it. I'm just going to run with it. <laughs> I needed my Marissa Oriero when I was pregnant to be like, do not push up that cart. Do not do not pick that up. That is too heavy for you. And I'd be like, but, but. And in my mind, I'm like, but this needs to get done. It's for the people. Like, no, she was saying, you take care of yourself. Mm. Here's where it's biblical. You need people who will look at you and be like, you have value. And that's not, you know, what she was yelling, mm. but it was what I needed to hear to know of like you and the life you are, you know what, pregnant or not, even though it's because I was pregnant, she's like, don't you dare pick up that box. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, but I can, but you don't have to. Yeah. There are other people to do that, to help you. Mm. <laughs> you deserve the help too. I, I will pick up the box and, you know, it might be a pride thing as well to show you that I can pick it up and you don't have to. Mm -hmm. And it can be under the spirit of because this is what Christ has done for you. But no, it's because I'm not even putting value in myself. Whew. And it's a hard thing to swallow. It is that deep. Mm. It is that deep. Yeah. I have to take a deep breath on that because <laughs> you just came for my my life and that. It's okay. I'm just going to take a deep breath <laughs> because that's something that, and what you said is that when we choose other people, when we choose to do things for others, not to say that you can't serve people, mm -hmm. you can, mm -hmm. but where are you doing, where, how are you serving? Are you serving from a space of, um, 
are you are you serving from a space of self betrayal when we are not mm. taking care of ourselves? Yeah, because that does bleed yeah. into who we serve. Mm -hmm. If I'm only if I'm constantly serving and giving to others and I never pour into my cup, I will run dry. Mm -hmm. I won't have anything to to continue to move, mm -hmm. to continue to push. And in those cases, my body will start to respond yep. in the ways that 100%. sometimes. Thank God for when he's when we're able to go and get support. But then there are mm -hmm. other times where when we continue to ignore and continue right. to avoid, mm -hmm. we end up in a space where we cannot physically, we are unable to do the things that God has called mm -hmm. us to do because we have ran ourselves dry and mm -hmm. we have ran ourselves to the point of being hospitalized and not being able to do those things. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that of it is very important that we take time for ourselves yeah. and that we actually care for us before, as we are preaching to other people or sharing with others, go do this, go, go get <laughs> therapy, go get therapy. Mm -hmm. I'll be the first to tell people too. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm a clinician. I see yeah. clients, but guess what? <laughs> I see my therapist yep. every two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Every two weeks That's I right. sit That's on right. zoom cause right. we're not person on zoom. I sit with her and I right. have to unpack my, I have to unpack my own stuff right. so that I can be able to show up one as a show up as a friend mm -hmm. and a healthy friend, mm -hmm. show up as a healthy wife, mm -hmm. show up healthy to my clients. Mm -hmm. Because when I don't take care of myself, because I've, I've also experienced that when I don't take care of myself, I'm not the best version of me. Nope. Sure not. <laughs> I am not the best version of me. I am mm -hmm. snappy. I am irritable. My mm -hmm. husband will tell you. Um, and <laughs> my clients don't get to experience mm -hmm. the, the best part, the best mm -hmm. version of me mm -hmm. when I'm not taking care of myself. Right. And so I just love that, like being intentional about rest, being yeah. able to take the time to care for ourselves so that we can just even serve wherever right. it is that God has called you to be in, mm -hmm. that you could serve the people around you yeah, better. For sure. It reminds me of, and I believe you and DeMarcus experienced pieces of this as well. Mm -hmm. One of the very first things that I learned in seminary that it's just one of those sticky things. You know, you don't mm -hmm. remember all of the dates and everything mm -hmm. of, of all the kingdoms of the Bible <laughs> and whatnot, but there are certain things that stick. This is one of them, mm -hmm. is in one of my first classes, uh, we had these small group leaders for a very interactive class. My small group leaders, they were, they were on the more mature in mm -hmm. age. They'd been in ministry for a long time. And one of them said, you know, every single staff meeting I have, I do not ask them about the productivity of their ministry, anything like that. He, he said, I always ask them, how is your family? Mm. What are your relationships like? And that's something that really stuck with me because the Bible does talk about what requirements are for leaders. Mm -hmm. And I found that this is just really true that our first ministry is our family and for those of you who do not have great relationships with your family for reasons um, that are much more estranged uh, please hear this more contextually of the people that you are closest to mm -hmm. those who are within your household those that are your closest relationships so your family might be certain friendships and whatnot I 
have taken that into consideration of meeting with Tristan and Demarcus when you guys are serving mm-hmm. in youth ministry. Be like, how's your marriage? Mm. Because that's your first, your first area of ministry. Mm-hmm. Like I hate the word platforms in a way, but this is the first place that you learn ministry. And anything platformed becomes just a place where the stuff that you are your foundation at home <laughs> mm-hmm. becomes the platform or, or is the foundation for your platform and other things like that will play out mm-hmm. um, as you are serving others of if I'm not being gentle with my husband at home mm. it a it's not fair if I'm just being gentle with the people in ministry yeah <laughs> that that's not okay mm-hmm. but generally if I'm gentle and can practice that with my husband at home then that's going to play out or should be playing out with how I relate to those in ministry, with those that I serve. And ultimately that comes from the gentleness that God is giving me. It's just mm-hmm. a, uh, the foundation is God. <laughs> it yeah. plays out in my home. And anything that is more for the rest of the world to see, which the, the social media term would be platform that mm-hmm. people see, it should all flow that Mm. way from foundation of God to my home to the things that are outside of my home that you see gentleness from the foundation all the way out and so asking things like what is your home life like what are your relationships like Uh, what are those who are closest to you what are is there any strife is there any anxiety it's a part of seeing what the fruit is in those relationships to see Mm -hmm. how God is at work in you. Yeah. Because it all plays out together. And that's a part of taking care of the leader, not in terms of their productivity of what they can give me, not that those things aren't important, Mm -hmm. but they're not as important Mm. (laughs) as what their foundation is. If their foundation is good, everything else will play out as it should. Yeah. Didn't mean for that to rhyme. No, <laughs> no, we love, we love it. We've had, we've had singing. We, singing. we have all the things, right? I, I love that. And um, as we start to wind down, I want to, from what you've shared with us, we've talked about rest. We've talked about mental health. We've talked about faith. Um, we've talked about infertility journey. We've talked about motherhood. Wow. What? So. <laughs> <laughs> all the things we've talked about. What would you want our audience to take away from your story? And as well as what would be a point of reflection, practical steps that you can give an individual, whether they're in ministry and not in, in when I say ministry, but in leadership as well and trying to balance rest and serving, mm. um, a mother in the beginning stages of motherhood, mm-hmm. um, the woman who is who is a, in a who is waiting for her miracle. Mm. What would you what would you provide mm. as practical steps and take away? <sighs> I'm taking a, a slow pause with this one because mm. I recognize the poignancy mm-hmm. of this this moment of what a step could be and the fact that we're inundated mm. with so many things that we could do so mm-hmm. many tips and tricks so holy spirit help me the 
the word that comes to mind is slowness. Mm. Um, I think it embodies a lot of what we've talked about. <sighs> that even in not rushing to give you a response, it reflects the need to reflect. And I think that's a lot of what we need. Mm. Um, that in the, the process of trying to do so much for the Lord and for our families and for ourselves, oh, that was just my story. Mm. And I, I don't think it was a bad thing. And I certainly didn't think it was in the moment. But I think the pace that I was going at was too much. Um, the weight that I was carrying at some times didn't have enough to support it. And if I'd slowed down a bit mm. to recognize some of these cues in my body, in my heart, in my mind, and, you know, in the super spiritual sense, what fruit was being produced of, like, did I have joy mm. in what I was doing? Um, was I loving? It, it, the fruit of the Spirit's a pretty good barometer of that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Were those things there? I think if I had slowed down more mm -hmm. to take stock of that, and not see prayer as a checklist thing, which I, I don't want to reduce that my prayer life has been that, but I know it can become that for sure, that even in prayer we can neglect a slowness of just the process of breathing before mm. God, of just just breathing, just being, just not needing to add a whole bunch of words to everything, but just to slowly be in his presence and be as we are. Now, granted, in motherhood, we don't get as much time anymore. We got to <laughs> do things a little bit quicker. Yeah. But, you know, taking the time to slow down, recognize that what our bodies as image bearers, what, how they're responding mm -hmm. <laughs> is intentional. Yeah. Um, to, as you kind of asked me, you know, how are you feeling to start it off um, on, on the language, the color wheel? And how is your body feeling during the panic attack? I, you know, not enough people have asked me that, mm. even in my spiritual walk. Or taking, I appreciate the people who have taken the time to sit down and ask me, how's your relationship with your husband? Mm. Um, I've had pastors who are leaders over me ask me that, and it's a beautiful question because those questions that aren't just about productivity, mm -hmm. uh, that was me snapping my fingers if, <laughs> if that came out funny in the recording, um, those are questions that make you pause. Yeah. They make you slow down. Mm -hmm. They make you take stock of what's important. Mm -hmm. um, my parents recently said something to me in a text that I said, you know what, that's a really good quote, is that there's always more work to do than there is time. Mm. Than there is time to get it done. There's always more work to do than there is time. Mm. You might as well slow down. You're not gonna get it all done. You can push and push and push. You can, you can try to multitask. I don't believe that that fully can be done because you're always just switching gears mm -hmm. over and over faster and faster. Um, there's so many things you can do to maximize, to push discipline. You can stay up all hours of the night. Mm. And there, there's, there's Bible for that too, of working hard. 
but it is nothing without the slowness of enjoying what God has given us. Um, the joy, the ability to play, the ability to experience all that he has for us. And I don't want to miss that. And I wouldn't want any listeners to miss that because we're out here causing trauma on our bodies. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to be able to enjoy it if you don't slow down. Um, That's funny because I talk about rest a lot, I think, but the slowness is what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying right now of can I be slow enough to even hear the voice of the Lord because mm-hmm. he's not talking a mile a minute. So why am I, <laughs> what am I chasing after, mm. you know? Yeah, I like the image of in the garden that God was walking with Adam and even the cool of the day. Mm. And I imagine that that wasn't at a running pace of like, Hey, keep up. So that way I can show you all the things that you need to do. Mm-hmm. It was, and it was communion. It was an enjoyment. It was a taking in the fresh air. It was looking at, as we talked about earlier, all of the creation and all, mm-hmm. all the things that he had made with all the colors and varieties and textures and wow. Mm. Do I even get to enjoy that if I'm just running from thing to thing? And if I'm a ministry leader and I'm discipling people, am I discipling people into that, into communion with God that is truly beautiful and adoption, uh, enjoying all that he has to give us a freedom, a peace? Mm. Because if it just looks like running and running and running uh, and... And building and building and building, I'm like, the Lord has asked us to do a lot, but also to enjoy what has been created and what we're creating. Mm-hmm. We, our bodies, I heard this from, I don't know how to say her last name, Shana, Shana Nyquist. Nyquist, I'm sorry. I, I love your book, Miss Shana. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Present over perfect. Uh, we have to recognize that our bodies are a part of the kingdom that he's building. Mm. If you neglect yourself as a part of that, yikes. <laughs> that we're a part of it. Wow. We are living sacrifices before God, but it doesn't mean we have to kill ourselves. Mm. Like, I'm willing to die for the gospel, but far be it that if I'm the one that's just killing myself for the gospel, God didn't ask me to do that. So, slow down. Mm. Bless that. Don't make, don't, don't commit this, that's a little, yeah, I'll just say it. Tristan's just gave me the nod of just saying it. Do not commit like a spiritual, mental suicide for the sake of the gospel. It's okay to want, it's okay to be willing to be a martyr. But for a lot of us in this day and age, that's not what's required for those of us in the position and the culture that I'm living in. That's not a that's not the reality right now that I don't have to be a martyr in this moment Mm. I I get to live in the American North American church in a relatively suburban area right Mm. now like that's not the reality so why am I out here trying to kill myself for the gospel Mm. when I can be I can listen to the strategy of the Lord for how he wants me to build. Right now, in ministry, that's just motherhood. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm going to take out the just, and you take that out of my language. It's 
it's motherhood. Mm-hmm. And you know, the beauty of it is that my daughter's days, she's not out here trying to be productive. Mm. She's just enjoying her little life yeah. as an image bearer. And so I want to be able to enjoy that too. Mm. I'm not trying to disciple her into a life of do, 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 do. Oh, I just ruined the moment, right? There's a lot of do, do when it comes to babies and whatnot, mm. but um, yeah, I want her to enjoy looking at the trees and the sky and the mm. flowers and the people. She waves to image bearers all the time. It's really hard when we go to Target and mama's just, <laughs> mama's trying to, ha- mama's just trying to do stuff. Mama's just trying to uh, do stuff. And then she's like, okay, saying hello to all the other people. I'm like, you know what? I am not going to hate on it. My extroverted baby. She's just saying hi to other people who are living and breathing image bearers and the beautiful thing about that is it gives a lot of people joy i've had women like when i'm not noticing her doing that come mm. up to me and be like your baby just waved at me and mm. it just made my day she is the cutest she's, she's the absolute absolute <laughs> absolute i love her absolute. and and she's slow she's uh, in that she takes her time she takes her time with things uh, that's not totally true. She's developing and running fast. But children in general, yeah. you know, there's a slowness to them. There's not the the need to be the most productive and all mm. of that. Oh, and I'm beautiful. trying not to pass that on. Mm-hmm. Like, I will pass on the value of hard work and of good work. Mm-hmm. But when the day is long, you mm. can rest. <laughs> Listen. Lord is our strength. That is he makes so, us strong. so good. I feel like there's nothing to add to that. Mm-hmm. But what I want, I hope that you all take away from this is that there's, there's such a huge importance in us resting. Wherever it is that whatever season you are in your life, taking a moment, time, however that looks like for you to just rest and be present because so many of us miss so much because we are constantly on the go and never take a moment to just pause and sit in the stillness of time Mm -hmm. because time goes by really fast and one of the biggest thing that I want to leave I want the listeners to leave with is You will never get time back. But what you do in this time that you have impacts your lifetime. So just take the time, whether if you need to go to therapy and listen to this and you're like, oh, I felt that too. I felt a little bit of anxiety. I'm experiencing, (laughs) I think my body is responding a little different to this. Mm. Just go in there, sit. Have a conversation. That's literally what the therapist's office is for. Mm-hmm. For you to just sit and share where you're at, what's going on. And I also want to honor the fact, too, that going to therapy doesn't always have to look like your world is absolutely crumbling down. That's the only time we go mm, to therapy. Right. You can go to therapy just for a tune-up because you're experiencing stress in your life or mm-hmm. I just want someone to talk to you. Yeah. It's also a space that you can be able to go. 
So thank you, friend, for being on here today. Yes. Thank you for having me, for bringing it to the living room. Mm. Yes, this was good. I appreciate y'all. Well, thank you guys all for listening today. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if this episode was helpful, insightful to you, please like, share, and follow. I'll see you next time.